0: I will just open up, Uh, David prayed wonderfully, so I think I'm just going to go right in to tell you something that happened probably, it has to be 35 years ago, and I don't know if you have momentous moments in your life that you know for sure God was in it. That God was moving you and directing you. And I had been living a life I was ashamed of, and yet God was still pulling me towards Him. And He was drawing me towards Him and I met this beautiful woman, Linda. I met her and she said, you know, I love Jesus and you need to love Jesus. And I was like, okay, I really like you and okay, maybe I'll, I'll think about it. So one, I, in one particular time, I borrowed $60 from my mom. I wore all my brother's clothes because I was poor, had no money, and really my clothes were, were hideous. My brother had the nicest clothes in the world. He had like cowboy boots back in the day. I don't know if I remember wearing those things. And... So anyway, I show up with 60 bucks and wearing my brother's clothes. But before that, before I got to the best place in the world, I was given a call by some friends that I had spent my life with before. And they said, we want to meet you. The same night, I was going to meet Linda. So I knew the place. It was in Smithtown. I knew it very well. I pulled up in the parking lot. I got out of the car, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Do I go in, or do I go where I need to go, where the Lord wants me to go? And I struggled, and I got in the car, and I drove to Linda's house. That momentous moment in my life, I will never forget. You have to choose. Eventually, you have to come to a point in your life that you say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I am going to wholeheartedly follow you. And that was even before, believe it or not, that I confessed him as my Lord and Savior, but he was working in my life. And as we look at 1 Kings here, here's Elijah, and we've been learning about him. We've been learning about this man that just turned up on the scene. We don't know where he came from. We don't know how it happened. He just showed up and said, hey, no rain for three and a half years. And then boom, there, he's, he's by a stream being fed by ravens. And then Lord says, you know what? All right, the stream's dried up. I'm going to send you to a widow that has nothing. She's going to take care of you. And and then her son dies. And then the Lord, through Elijah, brings him back to life. And then, all of a sudden now, and we learned the last time, that God says to Elijah, all right, rain's coming. I want you to go and meet Ahab. So he does. And that's where we are. And when we ended the last message that I gave, um, I couldn't help but thinking, I couldn't help but thinking, In regard to Ecclesiastes, it says the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret, things whether good or evil. And I couldn't help but thinking about that. When I ended the sermon, I went home, and you know, if, you, if you're a speaker, and you, you always think, did I say this right? Did I didn't say this right? Did I do that? And I, the Lord just kept putting that on my heart that that's the point. Ahab and Jezebel were not following the Lord's commands. Israel was not following the Lord's commands. And it seems like that would be a simple thing to do, but they were not following. So I just, I'm going to pray quickly, and we'll go into our points about following the Lord completely wholeheartedly. Point number two is going to be about honoring the Lord, that we honor Him. And point number three in the sermon is going to be that we pray to God, but we not only pray to Him, but we pray to Him to turn the hearts of other people back to Him. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you when I stood in that parking lot making that decision of what I was going to do, I know one particular aunt who was praying for me. We, I, I know she was praying for me. I know she was a believer, and I know she prayed for me. And looking back, I could see that. So we, those are our points this morning. We're going to go through. I, will, uh, I skipped over for those people who know that there was supposed to be Scripture reading. Uh, I'm going to be reading that Scripture anyway when I do the sermon. So let's pray. Lord, help us, help us, help me to follow you completely and wholeheartedly, to honor you, Lord, simply honor you in our lives and that we would pray to you we would pray to you not just to pray and say lord these are all my issues but to pray lord help me help me to have stronger faith help me to pray for the people around me that they would come to know you and to love you and, and that would be for our good and your glory in jesus name amen So we're going to start in verse 19. Now then, send orders and gather to me all of Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent orders among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long are you going to struggle with two choices? If the Lord is God, follow Him. If Baal, follow Him. But the people did not answer Him so much a word. Once and for all in our story here, this true story, once and for all, the people, Israel, Ahab, Jezebel, all the prophets, everybody will know who God is. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I'll say it again. The Lord, He is God. And yet, you have Israel here who is say, who, and we'll get into it a little bit, who really can't make up their mind. And that's the point. They're not following God completely. It has to be done in a big way. This, um, this contest, if you want to call it, between Elijah and the prophets has to be done. And it has to be done in a big way. It couldn't be as if all of a sudden he goes to the people and says, hey, your punishment's over. You've been in timeout. Come on out of timeout. It can't happen that way. Because they would say, great, it just means that Baal was sleeping. You know, maybe he was just resting a little bit. But no, God wants to show once and for all that he is God. And it's, it's great. It's at Mount Carmel. See, it's almost like Elijah's saying, go ahead, we're going to have it. You can have home court advantage. Because Mount Carmel was bow country, and he's saying, go ahead, you have the advantage. And all the time, Elijah knows, I have the advantage. For the Lord, he is God, and he is my God. Think about it in, in your life, when you're up against it. Remember, the Lord, he is God. There's nothing Nothing that can destroy you. Nothing that could put you down. Nothing. Because God is your God. He is your Savior. And Elijah knew that. And amongst all these people, listen to uh, Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created, been created through him and for him. Elijah could stand there and know that. And yet, he was like us. He was like us. I'm I'm, I'm assuming he had some sweat, maybe, on his brow. But he knew without a shadow of a doubt. I I love Joshua. says, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Think of that. Elijah's basically saying that, I'm going to follow the Lord. And in James 14, 7, it says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for to him it is sin. Israel knew they were doing the wrong thing. They knew it. They were double-minded. Have you ever been in a situation in your mind where you couldn't make up your mind? You were double-minded? These people were spiritually double-minded. They went back and forth. They were just going... Back and forth between God and Baal. Hey, today, it benefits me to follow God. You know Tuesday? Today's Baal day. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't go back and forth and be double-minded. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Bible says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on or beneath the earth or in the water or under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God inflicting the punishment of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing favor to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You see it again? Keep my commandments. Follow me. And I've said this over and over and over again. You will not, I will not do it perfectly. So don't beat yourself up. But God wants your heart to be humble before him, doing your best. Listen to the verses again that I read before. How long are you going to struggle with two choices? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. But the people did not answer Him so much a word, they couldn't answer Him because they didn't have anything to say. They don't have any answer for Him because they know He's right. And they are silent. This literally means here that they're limping along on between two twigs you know what a twig is right you take a twig you're building a fire and it's great because you can just snap them and you just put them in the fire and it starts you're not using a log to start the fire you're using a twig because it's brittle they're limping along between two twigs tony evans says it's like they're vacillating they're hesitating they're serving god and idols the real issue that d. a Carson says is that the departure from the word of God from his commandments that 's the real thing here. The, the uh, Friday night what 's today Sunday so two days ago, I had a call from my brother and a family member had to go to the emergency room, so I met my brother over at the hospital and we you know how it is. you go to the emergency room, you stay there for like twenty eight hours or whatever it is it wasn 't that long, but it was long so. We're there for all night, and it's like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and we're standing outside the emergency room, and I'm thinking about my sermon, and I'm just thinking, and all of a sudden, I see this mom and this young girl come out, and the young girl comes out, she's maybe 9, 10, and she has crutches, and man, she's zipping. She's zipping. I'm like, I don't think, and I, she just got them. Like, I had seen them inside, it and she was laying in the bed, and they were putting the cast on, and I know she just got them, so it's not like she's been practicing for years. And she is in the parking lot and zipping along, and I'm like, well, there goes my sermon, because I'm going to point out that if you're on crutches, it's like, you know, you're, you're hobbling along. And then all of a sudden, I notice she does this, and she stops, and she can't go any further. And her mom grabs her arm, and I'm like, that's, that's the point. It's like they're on crutches. They're broken. They're hobbling along. It's like they're hobbling along. Israel can't make up their mind. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you like that in your spiritual life, but they can't make up their mind. They are broken, and they are hobbling along like they're on crutches. D.A. Carson said it's like a man who married his wife but then sleeps with somebody else and then continues to have both relationships. You can't do that. It's damning and that's what it's saying here. Isaiah says if you do not stand in your faith, you will not stand at all. You need to keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't be like me. Again, wasn't yesterday, it was a while ago where I used now I'm 12 minutes from my house for work, but back then I was an hour hour door to door working in Jericho Quadrangle and it was a rainy day and I love to eat, so I was hungry. It was 7.30 in the morning. It was bumper to bumper traffic, and I had this peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the back seat. Why I put my lunch in the back seat, I have no idea. But now I'm driving, and I'm hungry. And we're going, stop, start, stop, start. And I turned around, and bam! Hi, Linda. I just uh, hit somebody. (laughs) Why, Mark? How did you hit somebody? I don't know if I told you, but I'm sure I told you. I'm sure you know now. But peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the back seat. Funny story. But what if I kept my eyes on the road and kept my, eye, my hand 10 and 2 or whatever it is, and I was looking straight ahead? And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Israel was not looking at the Lord. They were doing everything they thought they were doing for the benefit of everybody else and, and not God not praising him, not honoring him. 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son Jesus Christ, that is the true God and eternal life. John 20.28 says, and I love this, I want to be like Thomas. Thomas turns around to God, and I know the whole story with it and everything, and I get it. But the end result of Thomas is, he says, my Lord and my God. Wouldn't it be great if Israel did that? Then Elijah doesn't have to have this contest, and fire doesn't have to come out of the sky. None of that has to happen if Israel was just doing what they were supposed to be doing. Again, the people said nothing because they couldn't argue with Elijah's statements. They couldn't say anything. At all. How long are you going to struggle between two choices? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Since Baal's followers believed that he controlled the thunder and the lightning and the storms and the Lord's followers declared the same, this contest made sense. I'll get into it in a minute. But the contest basically is that they're going to cry out to their God for him to have fire come out of heaven and burn the sacrifice. And Elijah's going to call to his God. And whoever does it, let's see who the real God is. And they're basically saying this is a great contest because Baal is the God of fire. He's the God of lightning. But listen to Psalm 29.3. The voice of the Lord is on the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon in pieces. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and siren like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. And now let's, together, if you go to 1 Kings 18 where you are, just go to verse 22. And I'm just going to read through the scripture, so we can get an idea of what the contest is. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left as a prophet of the Lord. Why, Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now have them give us two oxen, and have them choose one ox for themselves, and cut it up, and place it on the wood. But put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and I will not put fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people replied, that's a good idea. Because again, they think that Baal is the God of fire. No problem here. But verse 25 says, So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first, since there are many of you. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under the ox. Then they took the ox, which was given to them, and they prepared it. And they called in the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. There was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped about at the altar which they had made. And at noon, Elijah ridiculed them, saying, he's so sarcastic, Elijah, here. He's just taking this moment to say, call out with a loud voice, since he is God. Undoubtedly, he is attending business, or he's away on a trip, or he's on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep and will awaken. So they cried out with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with the swords and lances until the blood gushed out. When midday was past, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice but, they, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Verse 30, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come forward to me. So all the people came forward to him, and he prepared, repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Then Elijah took twelve stones, corresponding to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, And made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he laid out the wood and cut the oxen pieces and placed it on the wood. And he said, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. Reading this, it is amazing. We have a God who is amazing. There is no God that would be able to have fire come out of heaven and lick up water. Water puts out fire. And here's Elijah saying, fill it up with water. Pour water all over it. Don't do it one time. Do it two times. Do it three times. Do we really think that Baal can do this? Elijah is honoring the Lord by repairing the altar also that was torn down. Listen to just listen to some of these verses. And I know it's a lot of scripture, but I thought I actually thought, well, maybe it's too much scripture. Well, to be honest with you, I was convicted there's never too much scripture. So I'm just going to read scripture. Exodus twenty-four, four. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he got up early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, with 12 memorial stones for 12 tribes of Israel. And Joshua, it says, now, when the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves 12 men from, uh, from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet are standing firmly, and carry them over with you, and lay them on the encampment, where you will spend the night." Elijah is honoring the Lord. He's going back. He's going back to the basics. That's what he's doing. You think about a memorial stones where my wife and I were at my daughter's house and I walked in the house and on her wall is this amazing plaque. As soon as you walk in and it, it is from Psalm 34.3 and it says, Exalt the Lord with me and let's exalt His name together. It's the first thing you see when you walk in their house. You're honoring the Lord in the simple things of the commandments of the Lord. These are simple things, but they're hard, right? Because our sin nature pulls us away. It pulls us away from doing the things that we know we should do. The commentary that I read says, Though the tribes had been divided into two nations, they were still one people in God's purposes with a single Lord and a single covenant and a single destiny. If I did this right, I'd be holding up a football right now. And another mistake I made, I was supposed to get crutches. There were no crutches. I was supposed to get a football. Somebody must have taken the football out of our house because I couldn't find it anywhere. But I get to do the right thing and use the Bible. Bible. Vince Lombardi held up a football one time at the beginning of his practice because the year before, his team had gone all the way and lost the championship. And and all the players came back to camp the next year thinking, we're great. We lost, but we're great. And you're going to show us some magical tricks. And we're going to be great and we're going to win. And he stood there and he held up the football. And he said, men, this is a football. But what the Lord's saying to us this morning is, people, this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. That's what he was saying. That's what Elijah was saying to Israel. The commandments of the Lord. You need to follow him. And trust me, when I say this and I'm looking at you, I'm not looking at you like, you need to follow the Bible. I need to follow the Bible. I need to follow it. I need to follow it every day. I started the year doing the Bible in a year. And i get up in the morning, and i listen to the tape. Man, I was going good till April. And something happened in April, and I looked back, and 10 days were blank, and I never hit the button to complete it. And my life was a little bit of a mess in that 10 days. And then when I listen, go back, now I'm trying to go back and catch up. And then when I start listening to the Bible, I'm like, I, I, I could do this life thing. I can get up and go to work and... and, and Go home and I could do this thing because God's with me and I'm, I'm, I'm reading his word. They forgot all about it. We honor the Lord like Elijah honored by going back to the basics, by going back to the basics, Bible reading, prayer, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but doing the things we know we should be doing. When we lose sight of fearing God and following His commandments, we are lost and lose in every area of life. I know that firsthand. Firsthand I know that. And let's face it, we're not dealing with footballs. We're dealing with our very souls. Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, O Lord, and our God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. You get the point? I keep going back to the same thing over and over and over. Our last point is pray to the Lord, turning hearts back to him. When we pray, how are we praying and how are we doing it? And I am 58 years old and I'm probably going to, I don't know when the Lord's going to take me home, but I probably still won't be right about how I pray, but I try. Or we could see here that Elijah was a man of prayer. You may miss it when you read through it for all the amazing things that God did, but Elijah was a man of prayer. You could see this as we go through. When we end, you know, when I end speaking, we're just going to take probably two minutes, three minutes to yourself. I'm letting you know now so you don't panic because I am the first person. When, when I hear in a public place like this and someone says well we're all going to pray my foot goes towards the door um i'm like the first one that wants to run out but i would say the prayer that i'm really interested in this morning for myself and for you would be a quiet prayer to yourself to the lord and at the end i'll explain a little better but that's i'm just going to give you a heads up about that verse 36 then at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice elijah the prophet approached and said Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people may know that you, Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Let me just read that again. Elijah's prayer is this. Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that this people may know that you, Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Elijah, again, is a man of prayer. He prayed for his life in chapter 17, verses 20-21. to He prayed for fire here verse uh, chapter 18, 36 to 37, and he prays for rain later. He is a man of prayer. You know, it reminds me of Paul's words, pray without ceasing. Ceasing, Our minds always should be on the things of God in constant communication with God, not only just that, but also with a thankful heart. This morning we had Bible study, and it, it really struck home that we were in the back and we were going through Psalm 109 about being thankful having a thankful heart for the things that I take for granted every single day. Here the prayer speaks to God as a servant. Elijah's speaking to God as his servant. So when we go to God, when I go to God and I pray to him, I'm praying as a servant in obedience to God's commands, not on my own initiative. Nothing here that happens in chapter 18 and all the reading that that God is doing, it's not on Elijah's initiative. It's all on God's. Initiative. He's doing all of this to show the people he is the true God and turn their hearts back to him. Fire from heaven was showing that the Lord was the real God in Baal. Well, he's not. It also shows that God accepted Elijah's sacrifice. It shows that he accepted his sacrifice. This also happened in the past. Leviticus 9 then fire went out from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the portions on the fat altar on the fat on the altar and when all the people saw it they shouted and fell down on their faces. This is nothing new. Again Elijah was honoring him, praying to him, going back to the basics and showing Israel where they came from. 1st Chronicles 21 then David built an altar there to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and he called to the Lord and he answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offerings. So it's not the first time that this has happened and God is accepting Elijah's sacrifice. It also happened with Solomon. God does not need our prayers. He doesn't. He doesn't need our prayers, but he wants us to pray. He wants for our good in his glory. He does not need our prayers to accomplish his will, but he desires them to work through his children, again, for our good and his glory. Praise God, he wants to hear from us. Praise God, he wants to hear from you. You know, I was thinking, like, just think of all the prayers. If, if, no homework, but if you go out, you know, when you leave here and you go home during the week, just think about, think about all the prayers in the Bible. Think about all the amazing prayers that happen in the Bible. Think of the church praying for Peter. They're praying for him to get out of prison. And what does God do? God miraculously releases him from prison. Think of Elisha asking for his servant's eyes to open up that he could see the armies of God. It's amazing. Go back and take a look at all the times that prayer in the Bible does amazing things. I'm going to read this last part because I don't want to leave it out. I was going to leave it out, but I'm going to read because you're going to want to know how did... You're going to say, "Mark, I didn't really read chapter 18. How did the story end?" So I'm going to read it to you, verse 40. Then Elijah said to them, "Seize the prophets of Baal, and do not let one of them escape." So that they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, "Go up, eat and drink there. There is a sound of the roar of heavy shower." So Ahab went up and ate and drank to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he bent down to the earth and put his face between his knees. And I wanted to read this portion because he's praying. It doesn't say he's praying, but the man is bent down. He is praying to the Lord. And he said to his servant, go up, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and he said, there's nothing. Yet Elijah said, go back seven times. And when he returned the seventh time, he said, behold, Behold, a cloud as small as a person's hand is coming up from the sea. Then Elijah said, Go up, say to Ahab, harness your chariot horses and go down. So then the heavy shower does not stop you. Meanwhile, the sky became dark with clouds and the wind came up and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he belted his cloak around his waist and out ran Ahab to Jezreel. And I will, next time I give a message, probably in a month or so, on the next chapter, I'll go over that a little bit. But the good news about all of this is God orchestrated all this to happen. And he's orchestrating your life. And he wants you to be involved by honoring him, by, by honoring him and praying to him and following him, following him wholeheartedly. So the part that I would like to do this morning, and again, Probably set my timer, or I'll count. I'm not sure. Two minutes. Just alone by yourself, where you sit, head down, just praying to the Lord. I thought of Psalm 103: "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me." Psalm 100. You know, think of scripture that God draws you to, that you could pray over, and and pray to to God about about following Him wholeheartedly if you need to, about honoring Him in your life and about praying to Him for other people. And this is between you and the Lord. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Give your heart, mind, and soul everything over to Him. So let's go to prayer. A little time with you. Help us to follow you, to honor you, and to pray to you. Help us to do these things, Lord, in your name for our good and your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.